Today we have such an excellent, wonderful, amazing, how many adjectives can I use, um, opportunity to hear from Pastor Thomas. As you guys probably have been hearing and heard, Pastor Thomas and Melissa West are planting a church, Joy Church Salem. Um, coming soon. And we're so excited. We are all in this together. We are all planting them together. And so thank you guys so much for every person who has already given to this church plant, who has already prayed for this church plant. We are so excited for them. We have known Thomas and Melissa for so long, and we have some really great stories about unitards and salami and all sorts of things. But it's, it's mutual destruction. They have no stories about us as well. So we don't share those embarrassing stories. But I do want to say that both Thomas and Melissa are, they're our incredible friends, but they are also wonderful examples of people who just have lived their life surrendered to the Lord. And it's so cool to see what God has done through their lives because they've just said, God, we have open hands. Whatever you want to do with our lives, it's a yes from us. And so it's been a beautiful thing to watch that happen. And for Pastor Thomas specifically, one of the, one of the markers that I know that he is an excellent pastor is because he's an excellent dad. When you see him take care of his kids, he's intentional, he's loving. Because of that, you know, man, this guy, he can go the distance. He's going to be, he already is an excellent pastor, but he's going to be an excellent pastor in the city of Salem. And so we have an opportunity today to hear from him. So let's give him a big round of applause as he comes. Thank you so much, Bethany. Good morning, church. Is everybody awake and alive this morning? It's so good to be here. I'm so honored to have the privilege to get to share a few moments with you here this morning. How many of you love your pastors? Let's give Pastors Jake and Bethany a big hand. They are excellent pastors themselves. Uh, you guys, I don't even know if you know the gold that you have in your senior pastors. They are our dear friends and mentors, and we love them so much. We're so honored and privileged to get to be in the house of the Lord with you here this morning. I'm joined with not only some of my team, but some of my family. Obviously, my wife, who you may have met two weeks ago, Melissa's here, and my parents are here, my brother. We got two of my, my main men, Justice and Tim. It's Tim's birthday. Everybody say happy birthday to Tim. I'm so thankful for the day that Tim was born. He has been a blessing to us. That's not a joke. I love Tim. He's awesome. But uh, we're just so happy to be here. We're just a couple of kids from Medford, Oregon, from Joy Church, Medford. We call it the mothership now that there's like seven Joy Churches. Uh, and we actually attended here at Joy Church Eugene for a little over a year. How many of you were at Regal Theaters when Joy Church was at Regal? Good days, right? We, uh, we attended, we never got to be part of the local church body in this building, and I'm super jealous about that. How many of you guys love this building? It's a great building. We've been in Newburgh, Oregon, which you probably haven't heard of because I hadn't heard of it until we moved there for the last four years. And we're so excited for the coming season to plant Joy Church Salem. We're having a couple interest meetings this morning. But, uh, you know, I have three kids. Uh, my eldest, my, my firstborn, her name is Hannah, and she just turned eight years old. And she's a fiery, uh, prophetic firecracker. And then my, my middle child is our, our next daughter. Her name is Adeline. She just turned five, and she is the sweetest, kindest uh, she, she shares so well, and she cares so much for everyone's feelings. And then my newest, my newest born, my newest baby is, is my first boy, probably only boy, as Melissa would correct me usually, because <laughs> I'm told that we're done having kids. <laughs> he is eight and a half months old, almost 
nine months, and I love him so much. He's my little man, you know. There's something about having your boy. I'm so excited for him to carry on the name. But can I just vent to you a little bit this morning? Can I share a little bit of family dirty laundry? And this is against my son, my eight-and-a-half-month son, just in case you're wondering if I'm petty, okay? It's against my son, and it's against my wife. So my, my daughters, they're both daddy's girls, and my son is a mama's boy, okay? And that's okay. She needs one. But I was so proud. I was so proud of my daughters because both of them, by about age, about six months old, their first word was dada. Yes. Awesome, right? My son is behind speaking. Now, I looked it up just because I was insecure. Boys, boys do speak a little bit later than girls. But early on in my son's life, when I was speaking to him and trying to encourage him to speak, I was forbade by my wife to teach him to say dada. <laughs> she said, do not teach him to say dada. His first words need to be mama. And like a scene from a Hallmark movie, my son's first words on, on Mother's Day, on Mother's Day was mama, okay? And now he is all mom, mom, mom. Yeah, good for her. <laughs> good for her. So Father's Day rolls around. And I'm like, all right, God, I know you see me. I know you see me, and all day long, all I want is for my son to say, Dada, he, did, he, would, not, he would not do it. He did not say it. My birthday was recently. I was like, okay, maybe God saved this as a birthday gift. I'm over-spiritualizing this, in case you were wondering. <laughs> Still to this day, he does not say, Dada. He only says, Mama. He's in a stage of his life, though, where he responds to his name. So the, the fun thing that we do in our house is we'll be on the other side of the room, and someone, his name's Owen, want me or my wife or my kids, we always yell, Owen, Owen, and everybody gets a kick because he's like, he's looking at his toy and he does one of these, right? He's beginning to recognize, beginning to respond to our voices. And like most fathers, when my kids were in my wife's belly, when they were in the room, I spoke to them. I talked to them and I was really gentle and sweet with my daughters. But with my son, when he was in Melissa's belly, I had this thing I would do. I would yell, I'd say, hey, what are you doing in there? little man. And when he, when he was born, not too long after, I switched it to, hey, what are you doing, doing out here, little man? And he smiles. He smiles every time like he remembers my voice from in the womb. When one of my daughters was born, I actually think it was both, so I can't say which one, but uh, the, the nurse took, took the baby from mom. mom. Mom's cuddling the baby, and she takes the baby and puts it in this contraption. Honestly, all the things about birth, I forget afterwards. Like it's a, We're past that. I don't need to know it anymore. So I don't remember why they take the baby to this bed this, uh, to do measurements or, or, or whatnot. And my daughter's crying and she's screaming because she just had the warmth and the comfort of her mother. And she's screaming and screaming. And I walk over and I just calmly, calmly, hey, hey. And instantly my newborn, minutes old, recognized my voice. She knew the voice of, my, of her father. She immediately calmed down. In John chapter 10, verse 27, Jesus says this, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, thank you so much for the opportunity, the privilege to get to gather together with your people in your house. Lord, we thank you for the community of the church. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's alive, living, active, powerful, sharper than any 
sword. Lord, I pray this morning that you would use me in these moments that we share together. Lord God, that you would speak through me, that your word would become alive, that you would open our hearts, our minds, and our ears for what you have for us to hear and receive today. I pray that not one person would leave this room without a deposit, without an encounter with you, Lord Jesus. We thank you for all that you're going to do. In Jesus' name, everybody said... Amen. So here we have Jesus talking about himself, talking about being the good shepherd. And there's a lot in this chapter and even in this verse that we could exegete. And this morning, I just wanted to share a few things that's been on my heart in this season. Because if you didn't know, planning a church can be a little intimidating. Now, we've moved from Southern Oregon to Eugene and then Eugene to Newburgh, and now we're moving from Newburgh to Salem to, to essentially quit the safety of the job that we had and the life we had to start something Fresh, And it's in a time where you really know, you really want to know that God is on your side. Amen. And I have a word on my heart in this season that I believe God has given me. And I'm hoping, I'm praying, my prayer is that it would speak to you this morning. Now, I want to talk to you about three primary ideas out of this passage. Jesus is talking about being the good shepherd. I want to talk about hearing the voice of God, knowing God, and following him. Are you with me? Now, this is not an exhaustive, all-inclusive, all-encompassing word on each of these subjects, but I wanted to give you a few things that have been on my heart regarding each of these topics in this season. Amen? Amen. So let's talk about hearing God. First, we're going to jump over to Exodus chapter 19. We're going to be reading verses 16 through 20. Exodus 19, 16 through 20. Here we have the Israelites after the Exodus, okay? God makes a covenant with his people. So he brings them to Mount Sinai. Moses is leading the Israelites after the Exodus. He brings them to Mount Sinai and he wants to make a covenant with them. And he gives them very clear instructions to cleanse themselves, to prepare themselves and to keep a safe distance because he was gonna come down to Mount Sinai. He was gonna show up. His presence was gonna come. And he's saying, keep a safe distance, keep yourself clean because I am coming to speak to you. And that's where we pick up in verse 16. So Exodus chapter 19, verses 16 through 20 says this. On the morning of the third day, there were thunders and lightnings in a thick cloud on the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast so that all the people in the camp trembled. Then Moses brought, uh, brought the people out of the camp to meet God and they took their stand at the foot of the mountain. Now Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord had descended on it in fire. The smoke of it went up like the smoke of a kiln and the whole mountain trembled greatly. And as the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke and God answered him in thunder. The Lord came down on Mount Sinai to the top of the mountain and the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain and Moses went. Up. Here we have Moses, the patriarch, the hero of our faith, in need of God's voice, in need to hear God in a situation where God's already delivered them and the Israelites from oppression, and God shows up in power. And this is the kind of situation where most of us would probably need to wear a diaper. God comes down in fire, which produces smoke. It shakes the mountain, and his voice, when he speaks to Moses, is like thunder. It says the people tremble. God shows up in power when Moses needs to hear his voice. Are you with me? So now we're going to jump over to 1 Kings chapter 19 verses 8 through 13. And here we have the prophet Elijah. 
And Prophet Elijah just tussled with the evil king Ahab, and he's used by God to smoke the prophets of Baal. And Queen Jezebel vows to kill him, so he's literally on the, on the run for his life. He's running for his life. He, he's downcast. He's depressed. He's throwing himself a big pity party under a tree. It gets to the point where he's telling God, God, please kill me. Have you ever been there before? Like, that's pretty depressed, right? God, please take my life. And then he falls asleep, and he wakes up to the, an angel of the Lord who feeds him. Now, that's a whole other message, right? Like, that'll preach. A pity party in depression, which God cures by sleep and food. <laughs> We're not talking about rest this morning, but that would, that would preach. So we have the prophet Elijah who's in need of hearing God's voice. And in 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 8 through 13, it says this, and he rose and ate and drank and went in strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the mount of God. There he came to a cave and lodged in it, and behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? He said, I've been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left. And they seek my life to take it away. And he said, go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. So Elijah comes to this mountain called Horeb. He's in desperate need to hear the voice of God. He needs God to speak to him in his circumstances. Now, what you find when you study the Bible is that Horeb is actually just another name for Mount Sinai. Biblically, this is the same mountain that Moses went to with the Israelites. This is the same mountain that God showed up in his presence and spoke to Moses in fire, trembling, thunder. Are you with me? Now, what you have to understand is that Elijah would have been very aware of Moses' encounter with God. Moses was a hero to the people, a patriarch. And so it's likely that he had a very real expectation of how God would speak to him in his time of need. When he's seeking to hear God at the same mountain that his hero of faith spoke to him, he had a, an idea of how God would do it. Now, this next passage of scripture, if you've been in church for a minute, I'm sure you've heard it before. We're not going to exegete it too, too deep here. It says in 1 Kings chapter 19, I'm picking up where we left off. It says, And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great strong wind tore through the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after an earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire, and after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. And Elijah heard it and wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? Here's what I want to catch this morning. This is what God is speaking to me in this season. We have two heroes of our faith in Moses and Elijah who came to God in need to hear his voice, to hear his instruction. They came to the same mountain, serving the same God in similar circumstances, and God used a different tone to speak to them. Are you with me? And yet today, how often when we need to hear God, do we put him in these boxes that we say, well, God spoke to Pastor Jake in this way, so he will have to, God, you're going to have to speak to me in this way. We try to take the infinite, personal, almighty God and put him in this box of this is how I need you to speak to me. Are you with me? And we, we, we break down God into formulas. Like, well, if I, if I do a three-day water fast, 
followed by a 21-day Daniel fast, surely God has to speak to me. And those are great things. We believe in those things. Those are good for your body, for your soul. God will speak to you. But what I would ask you is maybe God is speaking to you right now. You're just not listening to the right tone. That maybe your, ear, maybe your expectation is in the wrong place. Are you with me? Because God speaks to us in our context and our seasons. What Elijah needed was what, di it was different than what the Israelites needed to see. They needed to see the power of God on display in might. Elijah, who was downcast and depressed, asking to be killed, needed God's gentleness. Are you with me? God will speak to you. Here's my point about hearing God. Again, this is not all encompassing, but God will speak to you in your need according to your season and your circumstance, but he does not fit in the parameters and boxes that you try to put him in. Amen? Amen. Knowing God. We're not going to go too deep into the idea of knowing God, but I will say this. I saw the new Mission Impossible. <laughs> Has anybody seen the new Mission Impossible movie? Okay. I saw it recently, and uh, the way my personality works is I did not want to see it without watching the first six. Now, if you are familiar with the Mission Impossible franchise, um, you, you, will, you will understand that for some reason, they don't believe in making 90-minute movies. The shortest movie the Mission Impossible has is almost two hours. Every other movie is two and a half hours long. Total, we watched 16 hours of Tom Cruise <laughs> completing impossible missions. And it was a lot of fun, and we did that over the course of about a month. But after watching, and I did watch the new one, and after watching all seven of these Mission Impossible movies, at the end of it, I feel like I know a lot about Tom Cruise. Like, because each movie, he does, he does something, this, the 61-year-old man does these wild, crazy stunts that I could never do. And so I always find myself looking up these behind-the-scenes videos and reading these articles and thinking, wow, this guy is so cool. But can I tell you something? That after 16 hours of Tom Cruise and behind-the-scenes footage, I might know a lot about Tom Cruise, but I do not know Tom Cruise. Are you with me? And here's what I want, to I want you to catch this morning about knowing God. There is a large difference between knowing about God and knowing God. Jesus said in the same chapter of John, John chapter 10, verse 15, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and they know me. I want to encourage you, invite you this morning to move from just learning about God and get to know him because he's a God that wants to know and be known by God you. Amen? And this works with hearing his voice. So when I was preparing to come speak, I sent Jake and Bethany a text about kind of the, uh, the idea, working out of John chapter 10. I want to talk about uh, hearing God, knowing him, and following him. And then for whatever reason, I felt the need to go back and check out some of Jake's recent messages just to make sure that we weren't overdoing it. And I swallowed real deep when I found out that just a few months ago, Pastor Jake covered this very chapter in scripture. And so I had to go back and do my due diligence and listen to his whole message just to make sure I wasn't going to say anything contradictory and get chewed out in front of everybody. <laughs> or, or anything that was, uh, uh, or anything that was uh, already stated overly well. I didn't want to uh, double up too much. And Pastor Jake says something great in that message, and I, and I believe this, and that is that we all have the ability to hear God. That hearing God isn't an ability issue, it's a proximity issue is what Pastor Jake said. 
Now, my kids are born, humans, obviously there are some unfortunate circumstances where the body isn't working properly at birth, but my children were born with the ability to hear my voice. But with the ability still came a need to learn to communicate and mature in that ability. Are you with me? That we have the ability to communicate with God. We have the ability when, as a Christian to hear God's voice, but there is still a maturing that needs to happen and learning to hear God's voice better. And the more that we get to know God, the more we understand his voice. It takes intentional time leaning into God's presence, leaning into relationship. And the more we get to know him, the better we understand him. My wife knows me better than anyone. We spend every day together. For, for We've been married for almost 12 years. She knows my tone. She knows my body language. She knows how I communicate because she is in proximity to me, because she's in relationship with me. She understands me better than anyone. If you want to understand God's voice better, if you want to hear him clearer, get to know him better. Amen. Get to church. Get in uh, your prayer closet. Spend time with God. The Bible says that faith comes by hearing. Hearing by what? By the word of God. You want to learn to hear God? Get to know him better. Get in his word and he will speak to you. Amen. As a father of three children, I find this situation that happens a lot where I need to give my kids instructions and I'll tell them to do something. It'll be very clear. There'll be eye contact and I know that they are hearing me. And a few minutes goes by, and guess what? They didn't do whatever I told them to do, right? Of course, of course. And there's this moment where I say, guys, I told you to do this. And they have the lamest, most ridiculous, like lazy excuse in the world. They look me in the eyes and they say, I didn't hear you. I didn't hear you. And I, and I always remind them, no, you heard me. What you didn't do was listen. Now, in English, we, we, we interchange these words a lot. We, we, we use listening for hearing and hearing for listening. But even in English, there's actually a big difference. See, hearing refers just to the biological capability of taking in sound. But listening implies intentionality. It leans in wanting to understand the instruction. And biblically, the word hearing has a lot more weight. Hearing, when Jesus talks about being the good shepherd, hearing implies that you will do the third thing, which is to follow. That you will follow that instruction. James chapter 122 says it like this, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. We need to hear God. We need to know him and we'll hear him better, but then we need to follow him. We need to listen. We need to do what he says, following God. Exodus chapter 13, verses 17 through 18. Here we have the Israelites right after the Exodus Again, it says, when Pharaoh finally let the people go, God did not lead them along the main road that runs through Philistine territory, even though that was the shortest route to the promised land. God said, if the people are faced with a battle, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led them in a roundabout way through the wilderness toward this, the Red Sea. Thus, Israelites left Egypt like an army ready for battle. Here's what's interesting. God gives a destination to his people, and yet he doesn't take what we would deem to be the most logical and direct route, because he knows what would throw us off on the way. Are you with me? That God says, hey, we can't take you the most direct way, because if you see the, the, the Philistines, if you're threatened with battle, you're going you're gonna to punk out. You're going to get scared. And so God purposely takes them an indirect 
route. So I'm a, I'm a millennial, and I, I'm at the age, though, where I never, I didn't always have a smartphone. I lived through the dark times, okay? Where I worked, one of my first jobs was a pizza delivery driver for round table pizza. And uh, yeah, that wasn't, wasn't enough cheering for that, but that's okay. <laughs> I was a delivery driver for Roundtable Pizza, and I had to work under the oppressive working conditions where when you had a, a delivery address, you couldn't just like punch it in your phone. No, you had to go to the map on the wall. You had to find the address and work backwards. You had to like write down every, it was terrible. It was terrible. The pressure, I, you know, nobody's worked under worse conditions. I'm kidding, obviously. It was terrible. And then came the era of MapQuest, right? Where you just like, you punch in the address and then you print out 18 pages of like step-by-step directions. Thank God that we live in the era where I don't need to know how to get places. I just punch it in my phone, okay? I punch it in. Can I just, can I just throw your pastor under the bus a little bit though? Pastor Jake calls himself an elder millennial. That's what he said to me this week. And I think it's appropriate because I love my friend dearly, but for whatever reason, he feels I need step-by-step directions wherever we're going to go. I think he takes pride in knowing the streets, and that's good for him. But he's always like, you you do this, do this. In the back of my mind, I was like, just tell me where we're going, and I'll punch it in the phone. We'll just get there, right? It's magic. It's a smartphone. Like, I'm glad you have that skill. I'm glad you have that skill, but, like, I I don't want that. And can I encourage you this morning... Can I encourage you this morning, when it comes to following God, you don't want that either. You don't need to know every step. You don't need to plan every step in the journey of where you're going. You need to follow God's GPS, God's positioning system, amen? That God has a path like he did for the Israelites that may not make sense to you and your brain, but it is better for you in the long run. That God has a path for you to follow that's better than you could ever jot down. That doesn't mean don't be wise. That doesn't mean don't have vision. That means trust in God's plan and let him lead you to where you need to go. Proverbs chapter 29 verse 18 says, When people don't accept divine guidance, they run wild. Older translations say they perish, which means you die, right? When you don't follow God's path the way that he wants to divinely guide you, it gets crazy. It gets, it gets wild. As the, as the, I, I'm in, in the couple of our relationship, Melissa and I, I'm the primary driver. I get a little car sick and, and Melissa has some vision things. So she's the co-pilot. Now, typically I think like the, the standard is that the co-pilot picks music, but we would argue too much about what to pick. So she at least has to control the maps, right? That's like, seems like pretty standard. Like the co-pilot has to to control the maps. And for a long time, my wife was in charge of, hey, you punch the address in your phone and we'll follow that. And for whatever reason, there were um, years, years where every time she would lead us to where we need to go, we would be like, it would take us 20 minutes longer than it should have. Every time we would be late for something. And so it got to the point where like, I'm not, we're not using your phone anymore. We're going to use mine. And later we, we went into the app and when we found this setting that on her phone said, always avoid highways. <laughs> and I don't know how it got clicked, but it ruined some engagements for us, okay? Like we were so profoundly late. We thought, I actually thought the phone was demon possessed for a long time. It's like, it wants us to be late. And I just wonder, 
when we, when we connect with God, when we get our destination, we know where he wants to go us. If we ever go into the settings of his GPS and we say, hey, I just don't want to take that road because it's painful. I just don't want to go this way because it'll cost me financially. Are you with me? And how many of us play with the settings in God's GPS and we say, I'll go wherever you want me to go as long as I don't have to take the highways, as long as I don't have to take the painful roads. Amen? See, the Israelites, geographically, they could have been in the promised land from like 11 days to two weeks. It took them 40 years because of their disobedience, because they didn't trust God. So my question to you this morning is, do you trust God even when you don't understand his plan? Do you trust God even when you don't understand the path he's taking you on? Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 6 says to trust him with all our hearts and don't depend on your own understanding. And he will show you which way to go. Amen? My final point this morning is that when we're following God, after we've heard from him, we get to know him, we know him, we're following him, and we don't know exactly how we're going to get to where we're going to go, but we're following God, that he always provides nightlights and smoke screens. Exodus chapter 13, verses 21 through 22 says, Then the Lord went ahead of them. This is still with the Israelites leading them to the promised land. He guided them, and during the day with a pillar of cloud, and he provided light at night with a pillar of a fire. This allowed them to travel by day and night, and the Lord did not remove the pillar of cloud or pillar of fire from its place in front of the people. So the Israelites knew roughly where they were going, but they didn't have a clear picture of how they were going to get there. They had to trust God day by day and night by night. And when you look at other scriptures throughout Exodus and different parts of the Old Testament, when it talks about God guiding them, we see a couple of interesting things God uses this pillar of cloud, which he uses to guide them by the day. And sometimes he would use it to shield his people from their enemies. When you're following God's path, he shields you from your enemies. I have a, my, my, middle, my middle child, Adeline, she has like a deep fear of pain, which is common, I suppose, right? But like, it, it's extra. It's the, it's the, she's the kind of kid that like, when you are going to, she's going to be in pain, she's already screaming, ow. Yeah, are you with me? Are any adults that are suffering from this, right? You're like, ah! I believe too that not only does God shield us from our enemies, he shields our enemies from us. That there are dangers on the path sometimes that God, when you are following his path, he will not even let you see. Are you with me? And he provides nightlights. It says that God provided fire at night for them, to, for them to follow. You know what's interesting about fire is it provides light in the darkness. Even in the times when following God where it feels dark, it feels cold, and it feels scary, God's presence is with us. And fire not only provides light, it provides warmth. That God comforts us wherever we are on that journey. Amen? These are some of the things that God's been speaking to me in this season as we've come to be established and know that we've heard from God, that we know his voice, and we are going to follow him. And as we follow him, we'll follow his divine guidance, that he will shield us from our enemies, and that he will provide light even when it's dark, that he'll comfort us and be with us. Amen? Maybe you're here this morning and You've never taken your first step 
to following Jesus. I want to encourage you that there's always a next step with Jesus, that we can all continue, no matter if you've been, you're not a Christian now or you've been a Christian for a million bajillion years, as I always say, that there's always something to hear from God. There's always a degree that you can know God more and you can always continue to follow him. And if you're here this morning, maybe you've never taken your first step. Maybe you've never received Jesus, made him Lord and Savior of your life. I want to tell you this morning that there is a God, that he created you on purpose for a purpose. The Bible says that he knows the hairs on our heads, that you are not an accident. And that part of the purpose that God created us for is to be in relationship with him because he loves us. And I love my wife, but you know what I didn't do when I proposed to her is I didn't put a gun to her head. And that part of love is free will. And the Bible tells us that as a, as a race, as humankind, that free will led to sin, that we chose to sin and that Bible also teaches us that God cannot dwell with sin. They do not mix, but he loves us so much that he sent his son to live a perfect life, to be brutally murdered, but more importantly, in that moment, bear the weight of every sin that we have ever committed for you, for me, so that we can come into relationship with him again. The Bible says sin is simply to miss the mark, to not live how God has created to, us to live. But it also says that if we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that he is Lord, that he will save us. Notice that the scripture doesn't say that if we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that he's Savior. It says Lord. And Lordship implies something. It means that we go onto God's team. It means that he is in charge of us, that he gets to tell us what to do and how to live. Amen? If you're here this morning, I want to encourage you. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? If you're here this morning and you've never taken your first step on the journey of following Jesus, you've never made Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life, and you want to give your heart to him, if you want to move to Team Jesus this morning, I want to encourage you, if that's you, with every head bowed and all eyes closed, we don't want to embarrass you or call you out, but would you just raise your hand this morning if you want to give your heart to Jesus. If you're here and you want to give your heart to the Lord for the thank you, I see that hand. Thank you so much. If you want to give your heart to Jesus, is there anybody else? Don't go one more day without giving your life to Jesus. Would you just pray with me this morning? Father, thank you so much for being my Lord and Savior. Thank you for creating me on purpose for a purpose. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die for me, to take the weight of my sins. I confess, I admit that I'm a sinner in desperate need of your grace. I give you my heart. I give you my life. Change me. Make me new on the inside. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we all just give a big shout for those who accepted Jesus for their first time this morning?